This is Shema Haider, author of Momentum, How to Propel Your Marketing and Transform Your Brand in the Digital Age, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in modern marketing. And don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we welcome back Shama Hyder, and we're going to talk about her new book, Momentum, How to Propel Your Marketing and Transform Your Brand in the Digital Age. Shama Hyder is the founder and CEO of the Marketing Zen Group, an integrated web marketing and digital PR firm. She's also an international keynote speaker and a regular media correspondent, often featured across all the major media channels, including MSNBC, Fox Business, Forbes, Inc., and the Wall Street Journal. She's also the best-selling author of The Zen of Social Media Marketing, An Easier Way to Build Credibility, Generate Buzz, and Increase Revenue, which is now in its fourth edition, and that's how you know it's a really, really good book. Shama, congratulations on Momentum, and welcome back to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me back on. This is a one of my most fun podcasts that I did last time around. Oh, so. <laughs> great. Well, thanks. Thanks. And it's in the fourth edition. And I, I just got to put a plug in for that because, you know, there's all kinds of social media advice out there and there's other, you know, good social media books. But a couple of the things about the Zen of social media marketing that I really, really liked. Well, first off, the book is, has that title and it was, it must have been at least a third of the way through the book before you started diving into social media specifically. In other words, you set the stage for, you know, the strengths and weaknesses and how social media marketing fits in. And for me, that was important because I, I sense there's still a, maybe a, a perception that, oh, that's all we need to have is just, just social media. Is that, is that something you still bump into? You know, it is, it is. I think it's something that you constantly bump into. I'm not sure that it, <laughs> I think it's, it, it happens in waves. And it also talked about how the paradigm is so different. In other words, uh, you know, you're, it was a, it was a conversation. It was sort of a stream where people wanted to float down the river. And it's just seemed like it was so, it's so, it was so hard for companies to understand that it's not a, um, like a broadcast mechanism if they're going to do it correctly. And I thought that was explained quite well. And I, again, I, you know, I'm in the agency business too. And I still bump into companies that are, I guess they just still have that that sort of muscle memory uh, as it relates to, you know, trying to get their message out. Yeah. You know, it's actually really funny if you think about like, um, so, and, and actually I talk about this in Momentum, right? Which is like the push-pull. And so you have to real, and then of course the new kind of what is, what does the third wave look like? Um, and that's really what a lot of Momentum focuses on is, is sort of this combination, you know, of, of integration. But yeah, I mean, for the longest time, you know, we say muscle memory, but like, you mean all of humanity, like our entire history <laughs> before the internet has been push, right? That's kind of like, that's the only way you got your message out there um, is, is pushing your message out there, literally. And so it's, and it's only in the last, what, decade, maybe, that we've, 
that we've seen sort of this uh, transition. So certainly I still think there's a lot of companies and people trying to apply the old rules. Yeah. Well, with that, having said that, let me just quote from page 13, where you say, the old marketing model focused on choosing and pursuing just one marketing methodology, traditional or digital, inbound or outbound, push or pull. But in today's world, where the line between the two is quickly blurring, that forced choice is one that no longer makes sense. Marketers embracing the new ecosystem recognize that rather than choosing between options, we have to integrate them strategically. And Shama, that was one part where, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to shout, yes, <laughs> it was my uh, Harry Met Sally section there. But let me mention something, just a tiny bit of praise here. I loved the first chapter, chapter one, and where you sort of explain, you know, the old and the new, and it, it's a way of saying it changed, and it was just so well written. And I think that at the end of the show, we're going to be able to include links where people can actually download that first chapter. I, I really liked that one. But you also say effective digital marketing is not about embracing every new tool available to today's marketer. It's about turning your entire approach to marketing on its head. Can you explain that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We think about, or for so long, we've thought about using digital, like what tools to use, what platforms to use. Let's use social media, right? So this concept of using something implies there's something outside that you can like pull a lever or do something. But the, the shift is that we're not using, this is the ecosystem we now live in. It's like the fish in the water, right? The proverbial fish in the water swimming in in the ocean or, or in the body of water going, Man, where's the water? <laughs> what is this water you're talking about? Yes, yeah. like, man, I really, you know, man, we should we should really use this this swimming thing. We should use, we should learn. And like, it's funny. And so now it's not just about like, it's understanding that we are surrounded by it. Like everything is digital. Everything is, um, you know, this is just the world we live in now. It's like, you know, people just look at like, you know, I bet both of us right now, Douglas, or anybody listening, how far is our phone in, at this very second from us? <laughs> I think we know the answer. Right? Exactly. And so, I mean, to think, you know, when it was, I, I was um, a little humor here for, for you and, and the listeners. One of my favorite Twitter accounts is this comedian named Exploding Unicorn. And what makes him so funny is that he's got four young girls who terrorize him, like his four little daughters terrorize him. And he shares their terrors on Twitter, you know, so it's very, it's very PG friendly. I just, I find him hilarious. And one of the things he, he, he does these like dialogues with his kids. And so he tells a six year old, like, let's go on a walk. And she says, great, we can catch Pokemon. And he says, no, we can just walk and talk. And she said, then I'm too, then I'm too tired to go. <laughs> but it's <laughs> That's funny. We'll have to put a link to, to, to catch Pokemon. Nothing, nothing. Nothing out of the ordinary about that, right? Yeah, why would you not? Why would you go for a walk and not try to catch uh, Pokemon? Uh, we'll make sure to. I haven't. I'm not familiar with that Twitter account, but I need to because I have a daughter. I'm gonna. We're gonna have to put a link oh, to that yes. in the I, show I, notes. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. It's, it's it's one of my. It's my best way to kind of take a break from the day. But anyways, so you explain that businesses once had complete control over their messaging, over the way they and their products were presented, but now. Not so much control. Explain what you mean by that and, and the, the transition that's happened. 
Yeah. So, you know, what's crazy about the transition that's happened is the best way to think about this is like for the longest time, it was the Mad Men era, right? Of, um, and it's, it's funny if you watch that show, you know exactly what, what I'm talking about. But it's sort of this like, what do we want the public to believe? What's going to be the perception? And then how do we craft that? Because there's, you know, the, the only way Susie is, is telling Nancy that the dishwashing soap doesn't work that well is if she's going over there to chat with her. You know? <laughs> but other than that, so even if you had a few of those outliers or whatever, I mean, you, you really could control the messaging because, again, it was so much of this was one way. And enter a time where, you know, you no longer control the message. You no longer control the flow of the message. It's much more... How do you amplify better what you already have, right? So it's like the basics have to be stronger than ever before. And think about, you know, when we think about social media, and this was really one of the things that I've always kind of drilled down on is, is it's not about the platforms. People think, is it about like Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter? No, 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 it's not about any of those things. It's about the fact that people are now the media. And how do you leverage that? How do you leverage the fact that people are the media? You know, the fact that, before we check out a restaurant, I mean, if I, you know, this was a live audience and I could see everyone, I'd say, how many have yelped the restaurant before, before trying something? Chances are all of us at some point have, you know, yeah, <laughs> like all a the time. reviews. Yeah, of course, especially if you're traveling, whatever it may be. Last movie you decided to see, how much of that was based on you checking out movie reviews? Like, is this worth going to this weekend or whatever it may be? So these are all sorts of things to, to take into to consideration. And realize that people are the media. So it's all about how do you leverage that? Yeah. And, and Daniel Pink, in his books, he'll talk about how it used to be buyer beware. So in other words, you bought something from a bad company. It was up to you to kind of figure out. It, it was your problem if you bought a bad roofing job or you bought a bad car or whatever. <laughs> and you had to be aware of that. And now it's seller beware. Because you treat somebody badly, the world can know about it immediately. And that also points back to the idea of you just don't control the message like you used to be able to. So one of the things, just to set the stage, can you explain what the difference is between push and and pull marketing as you set the stage for the book? Basically, how pull marketing has put consumers in charge of marketing. Yeah, so push marketing is what we're all familiar with, right? I mean, that's historically what you consider advertising and marketing. It is pushing a message out there. In fact, one of the things that I, and I, this is mentioned in the book that I think is just fascinating is, you know, when they um, excavated Pompeii City, one of the things that they found on the marketplace on the wall was, um, you know, people advertising the freshest fish. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. You could find in the stalls. And I just thought that like, you know, this is, us getting out there, standing in the middle of the like the square, right, and and kind of pushing out the wares. That's that's traditionally <laughs> how it was done. Yeah, and it's and all course, about the the company, all about it the. It is. It is all seller. about the company. It is all about who we are. Um, the company is right, and then you flip that, and, and the internet, of course, changes everything because now there's something called, and of course, Seth Godin was at the you know right at the beginning of this and and coined the term per permission based marketing. Right now. I got to choose. And as a consumer, if I got to choose, it meant you had to try harder because I now it's not enough just to have my ear <laughs> that I'm there. And now, you know, like essentially I 
I have to listen to whatever because now it's like, no, how can you make the consumer want to choose what you have to offer? And it changes the game and it changes the game. You know, I've, I've had, I was having breakfast with a, um, with a fortune 500 CMO and we were, we were laughing and, uh, they were talking about, and she, she mentioned that was it like great when you could reach 80% of your target market just with one targeted ad. Yeah, those know? were the good old days. Yeah, sure. like if you wanted to reach a certain demographic, because guess what? Like there just weren't that many options, right? Mm-hmm. And it was uh, a captive audience too, for the most of part. Of course. And I think that's the thing. I mean, you, you were first catering to a very captive audience and now the audience gets to choose and we just laughed and we, you know, we agreed that's never happening again because even a few decades ago, if I wanted to target, you know, even our demographics, right, there was a lot of, uh, it was very homogenous in yes. terms of, that's not to say everyone, but like if I wanted to market to a woman in her 30s, chances are she had children, maybe she stayed home, you know, did XYZ on Sunday, like you you kind of, I mean, tell me what that looks like today, right? And, and like, yes, you may still have that, but chances are you also have 10 different variations of that. So, so that's gone as well. Um, and so, yeah, it really does change things on how do you end up, you know, pulling people? How do you, and, and more than that, now I think we've evolved even further. And this is kind of what I talk about in Momentum is that we've gone away from the pushing and the pulling to this integrated, this sort of ecosystem where everything's happening at once. You know, and I, one of the third principles in the book is actually digital. There's a coin term by Bain Consulting, and this idea is the, the digital and physical merge. Well, let's, if it's okay with you, let's walk through those those five sections, because basically there's five big concepts, and, you know, you could have written a thousand-page book, but you didn't, mercifully. It's much, much shorter, <laughs> and you organized it around these five ideas, which I found very refreshing and sort of very original and how you picked these five. And there are things that help me, you know, when I'm trying to talk to companies and explain things. Cause like you, if you're in the marketing business these days, there's, there's a lot of teaching going on, trying to help people come to grips with this. And the first one is called agility through analytics. So explain what you mean by agility. Yeah. Agility through analytics is, you know, very simply make decisions based on the data that you see. Right. And what that means is that people will often make decisions subjectively. And there's a place for for intuition, for sure. But it's kind of like, you know, um, the difference between saying, yeah, the, that button should be green because, you know what, I like the color green <laughs> versus, hey, you know, green converts. 10% better than red does, right? Or whatever it may be. So it's one of these things of, of really kind of understanding. And, and at every level, I mean, that's the other thing is we say, hey, you know, um, data is reserved for the big guys. You know, this is like for company. Then it's really not. It's, no. it's at every level. Like think about Google Analytics. Almost every business has that installed. Very basic. If you don't, certainly good first step, right? Very basic. But that can tell you so much. It can tell you, for example, your bounce rate, right? How quickly do people hit the back button once they come to your site? And if that bounce rate is higher than, I don't know, 60, 70%, depending on your industry, of course, then you know that either your site's not converting well when they're landing, or two, the traffic you're sending isn't qualified. You know, what's interesting is uh, I'll talk to companies and they'll say, you know, we'll, they're trying to get their arms around this and realize they got to get their marketing in, in shape. And I'll say, uh, this has happened more than once. 
do you all, okay, you have a website, do you have Google Analytics installed on it? And a lot of times they do. And I say, have you ever looked at it? And they go, no, I haven't really had a chance to. <laughs> you open it up and it's so eye-opening. You're like, holy cow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, and it's crazy, isn't it? So I mean, for the listener, if you've never looked at your Google Analytics, do it once, you'll be hooked. You you will. and Or have someone, you know, on your team. I know how many people are busy, like with our clients too, and say, look, that's what, I mean, a lot of that's why you have an ideally an agency or people that you work with, but it is good to say, what are our insights, right? So even if you're not looking at the analytics, that's fine. I mean, but know kind of what the, know the questions you should be asking, right, regardless of who's really at the end of the day pulling the data and then how you're making decisions based on that. Like I'll tell you one of the things that we started doing recently, Doug, that's actually been sort of, it's an advanced tactic, if you will, with search, but it's, it's relatively easy to do and it can really boost, you know, what you have. So for example, we, we've been blogging on our company site marketing Zen for since it's going I I feel old just saying this but since like you know 2008 2009 we have posts from then of course those posts aren't really I mean even though they're indexed they're not driving a lot of traffic right but it's still good content it's just really old and and we've got a lot of like mini little posts and so one of the things we started doing was looking at okay which posts are doing well which you know keywords are driving traffic and then we're combining a lot of these old posts so we might take 10 posts Right. They were like really kind of the smaller posts that did well back in the day, whatnot. And we're combining them to make sort of a master refreshed post. And again, like these are sort of the things that I talk about in the book is like, how can you go after this low hanging fruit that already exists? I'm a big fan of low hanging fruit, by the way. Sure. In the book, you actually walk them through specifically about some of these you know, specific tactics, like, you know, merging some ebooks or, you know, a lot of times companies discover, wow, I had no idea this, that particular topic would be as popular as it is. Let's do more of that and let's do less of what's, what's not working. Shama, can you explain what growth hacking is? That's a term that's used a lot for marketing. Ryan Holiday has written a great book called Growth Hacker Marketing. Uh, explain for the listener what growth hacking is and how it relates to agility through analytics. Yeah, you know, growth hacking is just, it's kind of building things by the numbers. Very simply put, it is kind of what you would consider, people I think are familiar with life hacking, obviously, finding like shortcuts, efficient ways to do things. And growth hacking is similar in that way, in that you look at these numbers and you say, how can we leverage this better to grow what we're doing, right? Um, and so a great example of this was the one I just shared in terms of looking at old blog posts and combining those. Because as they're, as they are, they're not doing anything for us. They're not driving new traffic. They're not driving new visibility, but it's still good content. So a lot of this is also, you know, how can you, what do the numbers tell you? And then how can you make small little pivots even to be able to, to maintain that? Mm -hmm. You talk about how your team was helping a client and they had like one landing page with an offer and it wasn't quite working. And he went back and made some tweaks and, and it got it going. And of course, it reminded me of sailboat racing where, you know, they're just constantly tweaking, you know, the sail trim or whatever, just to get a little bit, a little bit faster there. So I think the focus on the data is, is very important. And I found that it saw, it does in fact avoid the issue of, well, I just like that color better. <laughs> I love being able to say, well, let's test it. Let's test it. Don't, you know, I, I could be wrong. I, you know, I Oh, totally. And, and, and you never, I mean, that's the thing too, is so much of marketing in the digital age is testing, is iteration, is being able to pivot, 
is being able to look at, you know, I, and so it's not, it's not static. I think that's the other big thing is that so much of this is not static. It's constantly evolving and being able to, and again, that's the agility part, right? Is, is being agile, not like one and done because there isn't, there isn't such a thing. Right, right. And I think also, I'm wondering if a lot of marketers or companies think, oh, I've got to be like Google AdWords certified. I got to be a, an analytics expert. No, just get started and you're going to amaze yourself what, with what you're able to, to find out even just by scratching the surface. So let's move on to the next one, which is it's talked about a lot, but a lot of companies can't get it right. And that is customer focus. And I mean a real customer focus, not paying lip service. And again, you hearken back to the old days. You stated that in, in the old marketing model, no matter, no matter how much customer input was sought and no matter how much a specific demographic was catered to, all marketing was in the end company-led, not customer-led. So can you explain why the, the laser focus on customers you know, really does help produce marketing momentum now. Yeah, you know what's funny is is when you say customer focus, people think that um, it's talking more about like how the customer is always right and it couldn't be more off, right? That's not what this is about Excellent at point. all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's so this is totally different. This is um, yeah, very very different. This is much more about focusing on, I guess the way to, the best way to explain this would be, you know, for the longest time, companies talked all about like, who are we, right? What's our brand say about us? And that's the ultimate question every company is asking. What does our brand say about us? Now the question really needs to be, what does doing business with us allow our customers to say about their personal brand? Yes. Excellent. It's my favorite parts of the book. That line. So, it really so it's was. That is customer focus, right? It's not about like, you know, whether it is the, it's not a customer service principle. Of course it is to some extent because every good marketing principle is a customer service principle. But this is really about how you think about branding, how you think about, you know, people do business with, with us because we stand for XYZ. No, the question is, People do business with us now because it allows them to stand for X, Y, and Z. And this really, if you understand this, if you can implement this in your business, it really does change everything. Yeah, and I think just the concept of listening, and I mean really listening, listening uh, to the point of being ready or and prepared to get information you may not want to hear, but information that could ultimately help you pivot and pace your competitors. Absolutely. So the next one, if we go on to all five of these, is, is integration. And go back to the, you know, explain what you mean by integration and digital. I had not heard of that term from Bain and company. Yeah, it's one of my, one of my favorite terms. And integration is exactly, you know, this idea that we we're talking about earlier where you don't focus, you know, right now, again, businesses, companies think about like, this is physical, this is digital marketing, this is traditional, this is digital. Right. The like there's a digital marketing department. Right. Or there's like a line somewhere drawn. And, and really the idea is, you know, you know, it's better to start with focusing on the customer journey because we as consumers don't think about that. Like, I don't think about, for example, when I get a coupon in the mail, I don't pick that up and think, ah, look at this piece of physical, you know. Offline <laughs> marketing. <laughs> yes. I just think about like, okay, I got something. And so it's funny, we have such a or like if, you know, college football is obviously football season right now, but if you're watching the game, and then you're following along on Twitter, right, and interacting with people and, and so forth. And it's called and, and you're probably watching the University of Texas Longhorns, right? <laughs> I'm, you know, I've actually been watching the Razorbacks these days. Did, did you got your master's at 
Texas, right? At UT, yes. Did yes, you go I, undergrad there as well? Both. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, I'm a Longhorn through right. but uh, but that that's the fascinating part is you know all these sort of physical experiences or, or whatever that we have the digital now part is really seamless too. Like that's the thing where as consumers, I think that line is already blurring for us. Like we don't think about like for example, if if I wanted to reach a friend, I wouldn't think about like, how am I reaching them? I would think like, oh, do I text them digitally? Do I? (laughs) Right? It is kind of comical to think about it that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's just funny because you you don't, we as consumers don't do that, but businesses still very much think that way. So this was more about looking at, okay, where's your customer journey look like? The physical, the digital, all of it, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, but then figuring out, okay, where can you have more points of integration? Right. And I, it was also arm in arm with the previous one about the customer focus, but the integration, it's, it seems like one of those many things in marketing that's kind of easy to explain, but it's really hard for organizations to do. In other words, um, you're saying, okay, rather than focusing on all the different products we have or the online versus offline print versus digital or whatever, just focus on the customer. You know, it's, it's again, a, a tired expression I use a lot, but it's like explaining to something someone 500 years ago that the earth actually rotates around the sun instead of the sun around the earth. It's just, what? I don't understand. But if they're able to start to do that, it really um, can have a, a big impact. Now, the next one was content curation. And I thought this was very interesting and also very timely because you talk about the issue of, you know, in the past, uh, post it and they will come. Again, those are the good old days, and now it's it's very different. And and you talk about, I mean, content's very, very important. One of the biggest budget items for a lot of marketers. But one interesting point is you say that in, in a world filled with noise, your customers yearn for filters to help them find the signal. So explain content curation and, and how that helps. Yeah, so the best way I can think about it is this podcast right now. Think about what you're doing here, um, Douglas. Like you're you're curating content. Right? Mm-hmm. This isn't all you creating stuff out of thin air, but you thinking, okay, what's going to be beneficial for my audience, for my listeners? And then you curate people and books and, and ideas that you think are going to be valuable. So, and, and why do you have you know such a loyal subscriber base, people who tune in and, and, and love it and share and so forth? It's because of, you know, they, they trust you to be a good filter. I haven't written they, a single book. <laughs> <laughs> but, and that's fine because, you know, what's valuable isn't whether you create or curate, it's do you provide value? <laughs> I don't know how to make it. And so there's, there's this big rise. I'm like, okay, it's got to be content creation, creation, creation. No, it, it's not. And I know content, you know, is, is king some and content. that a lot. Yes, but it doesn't have to be your content, right? Or it can be a combination thereof. And so this idea is that, no, you want to be the filter for your customers, your prospects. You want to be that perceived industry thought leader. And you do that not just by constantly turning out new content. You can, of course, but it's also about just bringing the best of to the forefront. I mean, think about TED. Isn't TED like the conferences, the ultimate example of that? Um, or Pinterest, the rise of Pinterest alone isn't, you know, predicated on a product or a service. It's literally that they are 
letting you curate and share. <laughs> and, um, and so I think this is very powerful, especially as we move forward. And, you know, so one of the things that I thought about as I wrote the book was also this challenge of, hey, we're all kind of time strapped, but we're all looking for ways to make things more efficient, especially when it comes to marketing. And so curation is a great way that allows you to do just that. Yeah, you know, an example of that in, in my world, which is similar to yours, is finding a place where I'm confident that if there's something I need to know, they're going to tell me about it. And one of the ones I go to is HubSpot. So they've got a variety of blogs. They've got one about marketing. They've got one about sales. And if I'm short on time and I can't read all the different blogs that I enjoy reading, I know that if I can just catch them once a day, I'm going to find out what it is I need to know. I, my chances are good, like if there's something new with Google. or And it's not like they're talking about their product. I just go to them because obviously they have a product that I, I buy and I use for clients, but it's sort of like they are curating a lot of content and they're not talking about their own product. They're endearing themselves to you know, myself. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's not necessarily about like what's new and, and what's, you know, how do you keep pumping it out? It's more, what does your audience find valuable? So the next one was one that I'm going to be stealing with, with full attribution though. Okay, no <laughs> But worries. I loved it. It was the idea of cross-pollination. Explain what that is and, and maybe give an example, perhaps the um, Hager client of yours. Yeah, you know, this is one of my favorites. And, and the idea is that you are able to look outside the silo, right? Outside the box to create more value for your for your company and for the things that you're doing. And so a great example of this is one of our clients, Hager, um, an apparel retailer. They've been around since you know, the time of LBJ. And in fact, they coined the term slacks for men. So you know, a company with a lot of legacy, a lot of history, they're carried by a lot of retailers, um, but they had no digital presence. So when they approached us, one of their goals was, how do we also attract, you know, the younger market as well as keep, you know, our current clientele, which tends to be baby boomers and, so it would, and, and still expand. And so, you know, while they had all this traditional presence in retail stores and whatnot, they had no digital presence. So we had two options to build up a digital presence. You know, when you have none, you a, a good way to start with that is advertising, right? You you spend you spend ad money to be able to build those those initial numbers. But then we looked at okay, like what do they already have that we are not leveraging? And one of those things, obviously, was this presence when they're retailers. But and these retailers who had already a massive digital presence, like they'd been at this for years longer. So we were able to approach them and say, hey you know, can we do some cross-pollination here? Can we do some cross-promotion here um, on the digital front, not just in the stores? And of course, they were thrilled. One, no other manufacturer had really approached them like this before. And two, why wouldn't they? Because it was a win-win, right? The, the people were looking at the product and they were going in store to buy said product. Uh, I would think it also might have made the retailers think, wow, let's stock more of their product. They're really interested in working with them. Oh, more course. shelf space. More, Yeah, I mean, in, in so many ways. I mean, it was such an exciting opportunity and for everyone, right? And so cross-pollination is – so many times we put people in buckets or we say like, oh, this is – uh, these are our employees, these are our customers, these are our partners. But it's only kind of when you erase some of those lines that you start to see the possibilities and opportunities. Mm -hmm. You got fairly granular there where you were talking about, you know, all the way down to everything your your employees could be doing. You could talk about that a bit. Yeah, you know, it's funny because with your employees, so many people don't think about them as like your, your market force. Yeah, and your channel because they're like, oh, they're employees. Yeah, but, you know, it's such a big 
it's such a massive, like those are your advocates. And I'll give you an, an internal example. You know, we create a lot of content on Marketing Zen. We create a lot of um, a lot of blog posts. And we have a whole team dedicated to creating content and so forth. And when we create a lot of this content, one of the things that we we were looking at is like, okay, how do we get more reach, more distribution? You're always you're always asking yourself that, right? And especially in this game. And so one of the things we started doing was sharing our own content that we do on in Slack. And so after, you know, our content department would say, here's our latest post, and we put it in a Slack chat, and people are following, and we would just encourage people to say, hey, share. And we saw, you know, the highest number of traffic that we historically ever have once we just encouraged our own team to share. Isn't that um, amazing? Like, yeah, and, and there's no pressure, right? There's no like, okay, you have to, no one's keeping tabs, no one's like, well, you know, did you post this on LinkedIn? So there's no like, post this on Facebook, and, and you know, even if that's not what you use it for, or whatever it may be. The bottom line being just making that available, just asking, right? Just, hey, here's this information. Why wouldn't they? It makes, you know, allows them to share good content, provides value for their professional network. It drives value for, for the company. I mean, it really is a win-win on, on every, in every aspect. It seems like something that a lot of companies aren't thinking about is, is this whole idea of cross-pollination. And even I, when I was reading that chapter, it was like, <laughs> I'd either forgotten or I hadn't realized the, the possibilities that are out there. And talk about low-hanging fruit. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Shama, there was one extra, one extra chapter about, see, you exceeded our expectations. There were more than five, but you talked about measuring marketing ROI in the digital age. And there's a lot of people that are, you know, saying, oh, everything can be measured now. But explain why you argue that tracking ROI in the digital age is, is actually more difficult than people think and, and why it is so difficult. Yeah, you know, it's funny because ROI in the digital age, and you're right, there's a whole chapter and it gives you lots of different metrics that you can look at and so forth, is that it's not linear and it's not point A to point B. I'm not sure that marketing's ever been that way, but it certainly isn't that way now. Right? In that how we make decisions, our decision-making process looks so different. I mean, it's rare for someone to say, well... Okay, let's just see, take this book for an, for example, right, Douglas? We're talking about momentum, and chances are, if people are listening, they might have heard about the book. They might have seen a tweet, right? They might have seen a tweet that like, oh, momentum's out, all right? Okay, that's cool. Or they know you. Or they know me, or they know the community, or they're like, okay, so did I, you know? And then it's like, okay, cool, that book, it's on my, it's on my radar. I need to check that out. That'll be helpful. Or, you know, I really need to get that book to Sue in marketing. She should read that, whatever it may be. But how many of us like take that instant action? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's weird, right? And then you might be like going about your day and then you see a video pop up on Facebook and we do a Facebook live show and you might have heard me talk about like And I've the watched book it. And, oh, well, well, thank you. And so, you know, it, it's, I'm amazed by the way, just Facebook live and how powerful that is. We have like a, we've had like 140, 50,000 people tune in to the, to the show, which just blows me away. But I might be talking about a concept or something from the book and I was like, oh yeah, that's on my list. I got to. As soon as I finish this one, right? That's <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, they hear the, this podcast maybe, and it's like, okay, you know what? I, I got to get this. It's got, it's got the Douglas approval. This sounds like it might be you know, relatively. And, it, and it, it, the way I write tends to be pretty conversational I, I, because I, I, as a reader, I appreciate that. And so it's like, okay, it'll be, you know, it'll be a good maybe quick read. I've got a few things out of it, blah, blah, blah. Let's do this. But now we're back to the marketing ROI question. Yeah, is it like for they call uh, first touch attribution or last touch? In other yeah. words, is and, it are they clicking <laughs> from my site straight to Amazon to buy? You know, like right. well, does that mean I that wasn't that's carrying like, all the water? 
it's so it's funny because we really I mean I think in our minds and you know what's funny is even like even traditionally though it's never been that easy to measure right like we with digital I feel like we have all these expectations that we never really had of traditional I mean the old adage is you know like 50% of your marketing is working you just don't know which 50% right, right? so now I think the thing is you know that 100% of your marketing is working you just don't know the combination that it's working in and it might work in different combinations for different people so <laughs> so I think sometimes the questions that we ask aren't really the questions we should be asking. And that's not to say you can't measure ROI. That's silly. I mean, there's... You can get closer to getting a handle on it. You can, you can get so much. You can get, you know, you can get the quantifiable and the quality, the qualitative. You can look at leads generated, traffic, visibility. What are people saying about you? Opportunities for B2B, like a shorter sales cycle. You know, that tends to be a big one for B2B clients. And even for us, like when someone comes to us and, and they... You know, it's not like they're shopping around to four agencies. They they want to work with us. They've read the books or they've talked to a, a you know a, a client of ours, and they're and they're more like, what can you do? How can you help us? Not are you up to this? But and it changes the game. It really does. And so a shorter sales cycle that is something you can measure. Now I can't. What I can't do is go back and say, well, what caused? Was it this blog post in particular that? <laughs> yeah, and anyone that tells you that, don't hire them. In other words, <laughs> there's yeah. certain things you can look at and get an idea from, but also, and this is where you tied it back to the beginning. What are the goals? There's there's so many companies that really haven't even sat down to figure out what what are we trying to do? Are we trying to get email addresses? Are we trying to get conversions? Are we trying to fill the pipeline? Even that discussion. Huge, huge. I mean, people are like, you know, should I be on Snapchat? I'm like, I don't know. Should you? (laughs) What what are you trying to accomplish? Exactly. You know, are you trying to appeal to 18 to 24 year olds? And they're like, "Uh, no. I'm like, well, then guess. Yeah. And it's like Nick Westerberg in his books, Get Scrappy, he talks about it's called check the box marketing, where that's a good example of, well, we should be on, uh, Snapchat. Okay. All right. Well, do our, do our personas, do our customers even use it? No, it's, uh, it's 55 year old men who are buying pipe fittings. Okay. <laughs> so they're not, they're not Snapchatting. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's just that, that conversation doesn't happen, but. I know what happens, and let's not beat up on marketers here. The CEO or somebody senior comes on and says, "Hey, what's the deal with this Snapchat thing? What, oh, of course. Why of do, course. Uh, should we be doing that? You know, it's the. I think you called it in your book. Ooh, a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong in, in, in testing and playing with things. For for you know, there's. I mean, really, there there's definitely room for for testing things for being able to say, hey, you know what, we want to kind of play with this and see if this is something we can do. But you're right, so much of this needs to be goal-oriented. And I think people get get waylaid all the time from that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, I mean, I know of marketers who are getting pushback when they say, sure, boss, we can do what you want. What what exactly are we trying to, you know, just call the play, coach. <laughs> and they're, <laughs> and they're you know, they're struggling to try to get some, just some sa- more sound direction from the, uh, from the management. So, in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, we're going to include a link where you can uh, get to uh, download that first chapter that I really, <laughs> I really liked. And uh, then also there's some other resources that uh, Shama has that are uh, checklists and templates. They're, they're really uh, very helpful. So Shama, let me ask you, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? 
Oh man, um, that it is it, an that's ecosystem. That's not a fair. That's not a fair. Question. No, no, no. You know what? I would say it's an ecosystem and an evolution. That's I would. I'll say it this way. That's the broader concept, right? In, in in understanding that, hey, this isn't just about the tools. This is like how we market now. Um, I would say specifically for me, the second principle of customer focus, right? And and if you really understand that about how you're working in with the brand of your audience. It, it really does. It changes everything. Um, you know, we do a lot of influencer marketing too for our clients. And, and one of our clients is like a mobile gaming app. And we, you know, one of the things that we just did was, was campaign with one of the influencers called RCL Beauty. And she has over, you know, 3 million subscribers and, and so forth on YouTube. And the video we created was this like, you know, worked with them and, and created, was she ended up doing this like, the slime challenge video with, with her boyfriend. And it's really funny because the game is integrated into that video, you know, with like there, it, it becomes part of kind of the narrative and whatnot. But it's funny. It required so much, um, such, it, it, <laughs> it took such shrewdness <laughs> to pull that off, but it made such perfect sense because if, you see that it's not like, oh, this is a marketing video, right? But it was very much understanding the brand of the, their audience, of, of, the, of you know, the, the young people who are, you know, the 80 million users who are playing this game. Yeah, the ecosystem, I think, works on several levels. And one of them is to help people understand that it's a, you know, it's a, it's a complicated thing. It's not like getting a bullhorn and shouting at people. <laughs> there's a there's an ecosystem. There's a lot of complexity there that you you have to acknowledge. So, uh, what books have inspired your work and career, Shama? Oh, so many, so many, uh, Douglas. And I'm I am a voracious reader, and I read across genres. I don't even limit myself to business or marketing. I will say that you know one of the books that I recently finished that I actually really enjoyed was called Outrageously Open. Um, and it has nothing to do with business, but really everything to do with kind of your mindset, um, and, and kind of being open to where the universe might take you. And, uh, it's by an author called Tasha Silver. Interesting. Um, are there any other recent or upcoming books you recommend or are looking forward to reading? I know you're friends with some other authors who've been on the show. I am. You know, I'm actually really looking forward to reading Jenny Blake's new book called Pivot. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And so I um, I have not read that yet, but I am. it is on my list and I'm looking forward to it. Yes. And I've listened to some interviews she did and I'm even following her on Facebook. So, you know, I'm getting carried away here on Jenny Blake, but it looks really, really interesting and, you know, so pertinent <laughs> to, the modern, yes. to the modern career that people have. Where you're you're going to be pivoting or you're going to get pivoted. So how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? Yeah, so, you know, your best way to do that is uh, check out shamahider.com, S-H-A-M-A, Hyder, H-Y-D-E-R.com. We've got tons of resources there, lots of videos, all the links for books and so forth are there. And then, of course, if you also want to get, you know, a, the free chapter um, and download that, check that out. You can also get that at marketingzen.com. And we'll make sure to include links to both of those at marketingbookpodcast.com. The name of the book is Momentum, How to Propel Your Marketing and Transform Your Brand in the Digital Age. The author is Shama Hyder. Shama, thank you very much for coming back to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. This is, uh, always, is always one of my favorite things to do. 
And that closes the book on episode 103 of the Marketing Book Podcast. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of what you can learn about modern marketing. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for links to all the things we talked about in this interview and free marketing guides from my agency. And while there, make sure to sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking for a book recommendation or have a question or a guest suggestion, here's how to get in touch. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and send a message or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Or send me a tweet at my Twitter handle at marketingbook. I'd love to hear from you. And please join us next time as we welcome Rohit Bhargava to the show to celebrate the new year and talk about his book, Non-Obvious 2017 Edition. How to think different, curate ideas, and predict the future. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.